Hello. Hello. I'm Shannon. I'm Emma. And welcome to This Podcast Doesn't Exist. We're two best friends. We like talking about weird, unsolved, sometimes historical, sometimes spooky uh, things that don't have answers. Yep. Conspiracies, unsolved mysteries, cryptids, all that fun stuff. So if you like that stuff, and you already have been here, obviously, otherwise you wouldn't have turned us on. Or maybe you're new. Hello. Hi. Hey. Very, very welcome to you. (laughs) Very, very welcome. If you are new here, please, 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 please go to our Instagram at This Podcast Doesn't Exist. Go to the link in our bio and click on our bingo card that you can play along while you listen. Um, It's very fun, so far as I've heard. And if you haven't done that yet and you've been listening for a little bit, Go do it. We promise that it's it's just a fun thing to do. I know that a lot of people end up listening, like I do when it comes to podcasts, that you end up listening like while you're doing other stuff. But if you need just like a moment of self-care and rest and just like initial focus, let us help you provide <laughs> that. Please and thank you. Excellent. And if you have thoughts, feelings, opinions, topics, suggestions, please email them to this podcast doesn't exist at gmail.com. We do read them, usually on the air, and sometimes we even do your podcast suggestions. So thanks for that, and yeah. Keep them coming. We want to hear from you. Please. All right. Housekeeping's out of the way. Done. (laughs) Well, that squarely takes care of the first point of my uh, notes, which were in all caps, intro, intro, blah, 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 sub-bullet, housekeeping. (laughs) I love that you put it into your notes. I've never once put that into my notes. No. I mean, I I don't think I would forget that we need to do an intro, but I don't know. That's just what I do. Okay. But here we go. Emma. Yes? I feel like today's topic Mm -hmm. is a mix of both Team Spooky and Team Heck No. Oh, I'm so excited. I have no clue what this is. Well, it's maybe not totally Team Heck No, but it's at least Team Historical. Okay. Which I feel like we can agree is one of my other very solid sub-genres on the pod. Yes, it is. Uh, So, historical and spooky. (laughs) And then I wrote, I had never heard of it, and I'm hoping you haven't either. Okay. Are you ready to learn about... Skeleton Lake? Oh, yes! Oh, my God! Oh, that was excellent. Some really good T-Rex arms. Emma is clutching the arms of the armchair. She has not closed her mouth. Skeleton Lake? Yes, ma'am. She's rocking back and forth. I'm so excited! She's going through it, you guys. Alright, well I hope it lives up to, to your I don't care. We can stop right here. We can stop. And it's just I'm I'm good. And the fact that it exists, I'm happy about. Alrighty. Can we put it on the on the road trip? Uh yes, we can't drive there. <gasps> Is this a European or African or Australian place? No. <laughs> Um, we'll get there. Okay, we'll get I'm there. sorry. I, you, you, you may begin. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> okay. So here's some background for you. Okay. In the Himalayas. Okay. In the Uttar- Uttarakhand state of India is an isolated valley 
located at more than 16,000 feet above sea level. Whoa. And in this valley, there is a lake. Okay. That is called Rupkund. The lake measures just 130 feet wide. And at the bottom of this shallow alpine lake lie the scattered skeleton remains, skeletal remains, of over 200 individuals. Oh my gosh. Wikipedia lists 300, but no source. And other sources give figures in the 6 to 800 range. De- okay, this, this so many. <laughs> and some sources speculate that the remoteness of the location slash of the remo- uh, surrounding area could mean that there are up to 400 undiscovered bodies in the region. Not a single skeleton found so far is intact, which likely leads to the numerical mixed messages. Okay, so you can't necessarily match them. Correct. Okay. The skeletons are visible in the clear water of the lake during the one month when the ice melts. The lake remains frozen for a majority of the year and can only be reached via a four to five day trek, which is why we can't put it on the road trip. Oh, I see. But, you know, we could... If we were ever to do Everest Base Camp, yeah, we'd also we have a, a side a trip. Yes, okay, okay, exactly. Got it. So, who were they? Who? How did they get there? How? What happened to them? What? The skeletons were first discovered by a British forest ranger named Hari Kashan Matwal in 1942, though reports about the lake go back as far as the late 9th century. Oh. Flesh, hair, and the bones themselves have been preserved by the dry, cold air and the really cold water. But at the time, no one could properly determine exactly when or where they were from in 1942. The remains were initially suspected to be those of Japanese soldiers from World War II doomed to to perish on a failed stealth mission. Okay. Carbon dating of the remains, however, determined that they were far too old to fit such a scenario. (laughs) Other prominent theories over the intervening years have blamed a natural disaster, an epidemic of disease, or a mass ritual suicide. The hypothesized identities of the mysterious remains included soldiers, pilgrims, or even padavas, uh, which were the main characters in the Sanskrit epic Mahabharata. Others believe them to be the remains of Kashmir warrior Zorawar Zing and his army who were lost returning from Tibet in 1841. Ooh. But there's been no sort there's been no conclusive evidence about that. So now we're going to talk a little bit about some of the investigations and identifications that have been made. Along with the skeletons, wooden artifacts, iron spearheads, leather slippers, and rings were also found. I am unclear as to when, based on the sources. They just said that they were found. They didn't say, like, by X research group in this year or anything. But they have apparently been found. 
The Anthropological Survey of India conducted a study of the skeletons, potentially five skeletons specifically, it was a little unclear, uh, during the 1950s, and some samples were displayed at the Anthropological Survey of India Museum in Dehradun. Research from this study indicated that the most common cause of death among the deceased was a head injury, Ooh. most likely caused by round objects from above, resulting in short, deep cracks in the skulls. <gasps> the skeletons revealed injuries primarily to the skulls and upper bodies of the deceased. Weaponry or human-made violence would have left more bodily harm. So if it were a... And there were no weapons found, found with the skeleton. So if it had been a battle situation, there would have been likely more damage to ribs or arms, other, you know, defensive wounds. This led to the most popular theory about Skeleton Lake in that a sudden and severe hailstorm was the culprit. Whoa. Raining down deadly debris onto and unaliving all 22 of our unsuspecting victims. Um, so 22 victims were looked at in this study, but I think five were like more in depth, examined more in depth. Okay. Unclear. If you're confused, go read the sources and maybe you'll figure it out. <laughs> maybe it was like a, we can only transport five of them or do the research on five. I think it was potentially that they they removed 22 individuals from the site, but they only did like DNA research on five of them. Oh, well, it's ex- it, it can be expensive, so that makes yeah. sense to me. But yes, yeah, so the idea is that these these victims were taken out by hail. And those victims not directly struck by debris likely died of exposure and hypothermia. They ended up in and around the lake because their bodies either rolled downhill or their remains were sent down the hill by the frequent mini avalanches that are common in the area. Okay. This theory matched the songs and lore of local peoples dating back hundreds of years. And here's a little quote from Atlas Obscura. Among Himalayan women... There is an ancient and traditional folk song. The lyrics describe a goddess so enraged at outsiders who defiled her mountain sanctuary that she rained death upon them by flinging hailstones, quote, hard as iron. Mm. The legend held that the mountain goddess Nanda Davi, a manifestation of the Hindu goddess Parvati, had sent a fierce hailstorm to punish a group of pilgrims who had defiled her sacred ground by playing music and dancing. Ooh. India's second highest mountain, Nanda Devi, is revered as a goddess, as is common among cultures who live in the Himalayas, as we discussed in our Mount Everest episode. Yes. So the idea is that they were, they angered the goddess and she took them out. With some hail. A hailstorm. I mean, do what you gotta do, lady. I mean... Do what you gotta do. Do it. Uh, When a team from National Geographic retrieved about 30 skeletons for study in 2003, there was still flesh attached to some of them. Ooh! 
Samples were brought to the Center for Cellular and Molecular Biology for detailed DNA tests. Radiocarbon dating of the bones at Oxford University's Radiocarbon Accelerator Unit determined the time of death to be 850 CE plus or minus 30 years. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's so old. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. That's so cool. Also, perpetual shout out to Nat Geo because it was one of... It will surprise no one that's a fan of the pod, but I'm on uh, a newsletter for Nat Geo, and they send out articles, and that was where I initially heard heard about this. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. What? What now? What? In 2019, 38 skeletons were removed from the site for DNA analysis. The study was published in a journal called Nature Communications and was written by an international team of more than two dozen archaeologists, geneticists, and other specialists. Further study revealed there to be 23 males and 15 females among the selected subjects. And then I'm going to read you a quote from the New York Times because I feel like they summed it up more (laughs) succinctly than I could on my own. Okay. Based on populations living today, these individuals fit into three distinct genetic groups. 23, including males and females, had ancestries typical of contemporary South Asians. Their remains were deposited at the lake between the 7th and 10th centuries, so around 880, and not all at once. Then, perhaps a thousand years or so later, sometime between the 17th and 20th centuries, around 1800, two more genetic groups suddenly appeared within the lake. One individual of East Asian-related ancestry and, curiously, 14 people of Eastern Mediterranean (gasps) ancestry. Whoa! (gasps) That's so cool! (laughs) Oh, <laughs> I just got shivers. <laughs> that fully, like, gave me a singular heebus jeebus. Like, I... Oh! Okay. I'm so excited. Sorry, this is so cool. Yeah. Uh, so the varied timelines cast the shadow of doubt on the previous popular hail theory, as it would be st- statistically improbable... For the same equally fatal weather event to occur at the same place. Hailstorms are common to the region, but it just feels a little statistically improbable for it to happen centuries apart. The research also revealed that none of the selected specimens shared familial DNA and also had drastically different diets lending credence to the fact that there are several geological regions represented in the lake. And granted, there there are anywhere between 200 to 800, question mark, individuals in the lake, so it's possible that, that some of them have familial DNA, but from this selection of, what was it, 38, um, Mm -hmm. there were no family representatives. And then here's a little blurb from The Atlantic. 
to Kathleen Morrison, the chair of anthropology of the anthropology department at the University of Pennsylvania, the least interesting thing about the specimens at Rupkund is where in the world their DNA says they came from. She points out that a Hellenic kingdom existed in the Indian subcontinent for about 200 years, beginning in 180 BC. Quote, the fact that there's some unknown group of Mediterranean European people is not really a big revelation, she says. She also cautions that radiocarbon dating gets less and less accurate the closer specimens get to the present day. So the early 1800s date assigned to the Rupkund specimens with Mediterranean heritage might not be perfectly accurate. That's fascinating. Also, it makes me rethink my singular hebus jebus, even though it like genuinely happened. Now I'm like, I feel kind of weirdly embarrassed about it. (laughs) Of like, I should have waited. I should have waited to have like my my moment of heebie-jeebie. But, I mean, would you like to speak to your hebus jeebus of why you feel like it happened? I think it was just that the fact that I was fully expecting it to be like, yeah, maybe it was a variety of different people from different eras, but my assumption was that they were all either um, East Asian or of South Asian, South Asian descent. Mm-hmm. So it's fascinating to me that, like, even though, like, you know, if there was a Hellenic uh, Empire, like, little spot for 200 years mm-hmm. there, it still feels weird that, like, 200 years in the scheme of things is very small. Especially considering the the breadth of possibility of how, like, how long it took the pond, pond lake, lake to fill up mm-hmm. with skeletons. And they're not, like, it's not like they've... Have they gone through and gotten all of the skeletons? Mm-mm. So, like, you can't possibly know what all of the descent of the people who are there. You don't. You don't have any clue. I think that that's that's my thing of like mm-hmm. the unexpectedness of having Mediterranean people on a on a mountain in in the Himalayas that takes four or five days to get to. Like, that's weird. Why were they there? Well, Emma, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. (laughs) Sorry. For instance, the lake is on a pilgrimage path that is well known to modern day Hindus, which might explain the presence of some of the South Asian individuals, but not those of Mediterranean descent. Okay. Note, I wrote note, Their genetic ancestry resembles that of present-day people from Greece or Crete, but current distribution may not apply to ancient populations. So anytime you're looking at DNA research, basically saying it matches up with modern-day Greece, but we don't know that these individuals were in the place we think of as Greece Greece. because populations migrated in a way that we can... isn't documented. And the empire itself was... Uh, vast at certain points and small at others mm-hmm. um, for any any era of like who was in charge who was who was the superpower in the world at the at that moment right at that span of time so it makes sense to me that it would be like just a caveat of like 
maybe maybe it's not what you <laughs> we think. We don't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Yes. And then in regards to modern day, here's a quote from Nat Geo. When pilgrims get up to Rupkund, they're scrambling because they have much farther to go. So they sort of stop and briefly show a bit of respect, if you will. But it's not and never has been terribly important for the pilgrimage itself, says William Sachs, head of Heidelberg University's anthropology department. It's kind of a dark and dirty place where you sort of nod your head and move on. So it's interesting that in modern day, it's not, you know, it's not a huge, significant um, spiritual site. Like, it's just kind of on the way to other pilgrimage sites. So if that's the connotation of modern day, if we assume that it was similar throughout, it doesn't, it doesn't really explain, you know, it's not like a significant lake that. People, yeah. Or, like, it's not, it's not as if, like, it doesn't seem to explain why so many people are dead Ended there. Up there. Right, exactly. Ah, oh, that's fascinating. The only, the only thing I can think of is the possibility of it being, like, this person didn't get to go on this pilgrimage, and so we're going to deposit them here on the way. But that still doesn't seem to explain, like, why there are so many. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, since it's not necessarily, like, we would, we don't necessarily know for sure right now, but the fact that it hasn't been, like, in modern pilgrimage practice, it's now just, like, do a, do a quick salute and keep on moving. Keep on trucking. Um, There's not a lot of oxygen up here. Whereas so. I feel like a, a culture that is, was primarily, like, an oral tradition, when it came to that kind of, like, superstition and stuff and then eventually became very much a of the book kind of tradition like hinduism has all of these like their cultures surrounding specific books and and writings and stuff the fact that that wouldn't have been like if we understand the pilgrimage as it is right now and that portion hadn't been written down then that feels like to me that it wasn't important then either right yeah yeah if it were a site where it's it's understood that this is where you can leave the remains of of a devout like pilgrim right. who didn't get to continue or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Which is why I find it so weird. Genetic studies uh, from this what year was it? 2019 study. Genetic studies found no evidence of the presence of any ancient bacterial pathogen that could provide disease as Mm. the explanation. So it's not like, oh, a lot of pilgrims stopped to rest and drink the water and then they all got a disease and died. Nope. Not it. Not it. Okay. With no definitive answers revealed via DNA, future investigation will focus on archival research aimed at finding any potential reports of sizable groups of foreign travelers dying in the Himalayas in the past few centuries. So if there are Greek, you know, if they if they were from Greece, we're trying to see if somebody wrote about pilgrims or, uh, you know, Something. explorers, that, and we never heard from them. Yeah. To try and identify at least some subset of this group oh that's so fascinating well 
here's the part that'll make you kind of mad because it made Uh. me kind of mad. So we're going to talk about conservation. Here's a little quote from Wikipedia. It is reported that tourists visiting the area are in the habit of taking back the bones in large numbers and the district administration has expressed the need to protect the area. The district magistrate of Shimoli has reported that tourists, trekkers, and curious researchers are transporting the skeletons on mules and recommended that the area should be protected. Government agencies have made efforts to develop the area as an ecotourism destination to protect the skeletons. And you will see on the Instagram, the first photo is just a photo of the lake so that nobody who doesn't want to see anything will have to. But if you choose to swipe, you will see that there are arrangements of skeletal remains that are not, they did not just occur naturally. Like you can tell that people have like put them into this structure. And I, (laughs) team heck no, I would never touch anything. You know, even if I went to a site like this, which would give me heebie-jeebies, I would never touch anything. I would not want to touch the water. It would be like a Harry Potter number six situation with the lake and like this. No, I don't want it. Why would you? No. This is the issue that I have with human beings in general. (laughs) End scene. I don't, it's the same reason why we can't go and, it, it, like, when you go to Stonehenge, you can't walk among Because people the, ride on them. Yes. Everything is about you. And I hate it. Because nothing is about you. These people, they were people. Yes, I understand that they are skeletons now and it's kind of creepy and cool. And, like, I find this spooky stuff very fascinating. I love it. I am also of the thought that I am not going to mess with stuff. I am not going to stick my hand in a lake filled with bodies because they still have hair and skin attached to them because grossness. I'm not going to stick my hand in that Mm -mm. and then put a curse on my family for the next thousand years. Of course not. Also, on another side note, if not like, you know, I don't want to get cursed, but like, are you a conservator? Are you you a conservator? Are you chief archaeologist, Tom King? Are you? If you are not, chief archaeologist, Tom King. Not the friend of the pod, the other one. Both. (laughs) You are neither. I do not understand the inclination to think I'm doing something that I should be doing and taking these bones. Either for your own sake or for posterity of people. Because I I know that there has to be at least a small group of those people who are doing this. Who are thinking, I'm helping. Because then, you know, if I take these bones, then I can bring them to whatever. And then I get my name put on the bottom of that uh, thing at the museum that says, you know, donated by. And they feel self-important. I do not understand it. You are not helping anybody. You are hurting the legacy of these people who, for whatever reason, passed. You are ma- basically you're tampering with a crime scene. 
in, in the broad scheme of things, like it, obviously right. we don't know if you this was removing a things is not going to help us get closer to answers. No, but and, you clearly don't care. And the idea of of having a souvenir and having it be the bone of somebody who was once alive and ended up in this situation, you are not helping anyone. I'm not. No. Mom. Also, guaranteed you're going to get haunted. Yeah. Guaranteed. Solid, solid probability. Yeah. End of rant. Sorry. I That kind of stuff just makes me really angry because it's it's pure selfishness. Oh, it's true. Here's your existential uh, crisis of the day, but none of us really matter. Nope. And none of us, meet, even if you do leave your mark in an inappropriate way or place, Still, no one's going... It's not going to matter in the long scheme of things. So just nope. mind your business and don't graffiti priceless history or yeah. take bones from a lake. Thank and, you. And the if, if the best thing that you can do is to honor those who have come before you, regardless of who or where they were, that's the, that, is, that is the legacy that you need to leave. Right. On, honor, honor the people who came before you. Amen. Sorry. Done. (laughs) Archaeologists. Tom King? No. Just in general. All right. uh, Also suspect that any valuable artifacts, which may have shone some light on the heritage or the mission of these groups, have likely already been stolen. Yeah. Just gone forever. Mm -hmm. Uh, So thanks for that, whoever. That's a horror movie in the making, though. Of like, I took this Hollywood. beautiful bracelet. Tell or, us. Now my family is haunted, and I don't know what to do. I have to go fight. I have to go throw it back into the I lake. Have to return the heart of Tafiti. For more information, you can check out this stuff. The skeletons were featured in a National Geographic documentary titled "Riddles of the Dead: Skeleton Lake." Uh, The Indian Center for Cellular and Molecular Biology commissioned the documentary The Mysterious Frozen Lake in the Himalayas, where a scientific team and a film crew tried to investigate the lake. Mm. And we're going to end with a quote from the New York Times, which I feel like just sums up this case very nicely. Maybe the site held significance for groups with various religious beliefs. Maybe some of the skeletons were brought for burial, possibly to be left in the lake. Or maybe there were ill-fated explorers, driven by a desire to see a spectacular mountain range, killed by their own curiosity. Ooh, that's poetic and beautiful. Right? I mean, you know me, I love a mountain. I know. And a situation. Do you have a theory that you're, like, leaning more towards? Or is it basically just, like, this is the information because <laughs> you haven't been to see it? That's, I mean, I feel like the, uh, the second group from the approximate 1800s, I think, to me, feels more like a um, an expedition... Is it still called a safari if it's not in, like, an African climate? Ooh, that's a good question. But you get what I'm saying. Yeah. 
because it was, you know, I think 13 Mediterranean descent individuals and one East Asian person of descent, to me that feels like a tour guide and the sort of situation. But also then I have to remind myself that that was only like the 38 skeletons from 2019. So, but then I feel like we get into this, this debate of, you know, at one, at what point, where is the balance between scientific and historical discovery and like honoring people's final resting place? Because the part of me that really wants answers is like, well, get everybody out of the lake, do an analysis, figure out how many people are from each time frame and each, uh, yeah. you know, de- uh, genealogical group and then maybe that'll help us hypothesize more but i'm like even if we had all of the all of that data we're still not gonna know you know that's probably the reason why they haven't done that specifically because i'm sure i'm sure that there are as like there's a 20 there was a 2019 scientific like uh exploration on it i'm sure that the government and the institutions who do that kind of stuff want to do that, but also know that reg- it's the same thing with like the Tom Shude thing of like if we have the DNA, maybe you can help us figure it out. But like if you if you have the DNA, okay, but you don't have the rest of the story, right? So you don't actually know what happened yet. Still, like you don't. You, it's just never. I I don't think. That's, okay, number one, this was fascinating, and I absolutely love it, and I cannot wait to look at the pictures. (laughs) Two, the fact that there truly doesn't seem to be an ability for us to have an explanation for this is incredibly fascinating. Well, and it's also hard to do research because the lake is only melted for one month of the year. Oh, yeah. And you have to trek. And in one of the articles, I think it might have been the New York Times article, there was a scientist who has very much made this a focus of her work. And she wasn't, she was supposed to be on the expedition in 2019, but she couldn't because of altitude sickness. Like she could not reach the lake. And she's like, it is a great regret of my career or whatever. And she's going to try and go again in the future. But... So logistically, to do research is difficult, and then you add in this moral, ethical element. Question, yeah. That was was insane. (laughs) That was great. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Also, the fact that it was like, I feel like it was your kind of spooky. Yeah. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, no reported curses. Yeah. Or dolls, or... (laughs) And it's historical in yeah. a way, and it's you know it's it's Mount Everest adjacent, so it's very much in in Shannon's realm. Guys, yesterday at work when it was really quiet, I was bored, so I went and I read the Wikipedia page for Mount Everest. <laughs> I love it. This is something you already know so much about, and yet yeah, you went but... to the Wikipedia page. They have such good data, though, about, like, the different permit numbers, and there's a whole separate page for all the people who have passed on Everest, and it'll list, like, the date and their nationality and, like, which climbing expedition they were with, and, like, the cause and where it happened, if we know... It's, it's morbid, but it's really cool. 
It's fascinating to me. I mean, the fact that that was your morbid fascination, has been your morbid fascination, <laughs> is incredible to me. Because I, I find it interesting, but I am not that in-depth with oh, it. I'm reading another book, I guys. know you are! Well, okay, so I haven't gotten to the 1924 portion of the book yet, but it's about Sandy Irvin and yeah. George Mallory and, like, what happened. And I was thinking about that book, and I was thinking about this case and how we don't know, and we probably will never know, and then I got sad because we're probably never going to know what happened to Sandy Irvin, and, like, if George Mallory and him reached the summit, and go listen to the episode, you guys, you, my, all my feelings. But then I went and I created <laughs> a Google News alert for Sandy Irvin's name, because I, it's one of those things... That if in a, in my lifetime, if they make any sort of break in the case, like, I want to know. As, as immediately as, as possible. As soon as possible. But you know what I mean? Like, okay, so question of the day. So, you know, two people will message us on Instagram. And thank you for those people that do participate in my questions of the episode. But what is something, and it doesn't have to be, like, a spooky or, like, an, an unsolved. It can be anything. But what are what is something that you are so interested in, maybe obsessed with, that you would turn on a news alert? Because I feel like you you're like chuckling at me and you're like Shannon. No, but, now but like I'm would about you it. would you not now I wanna go and be like John Benet Ramsey, I'm gonna put on a news alert because there are I feel like there are cases that have infiltrated the the popular consciousness that we're all so invested in any self-respecting interesting person has a theory about John Bonet. Yes. Right? Like, and if you don't, go go get one. <laughs> go get a go get a theory. Go get a theory. Go <laughs> go pick one up from the store. But you know what I mean? Like so that if uh, like I think about um like, Casey Anthony, back when we were Ugh. end of high school. Yeah. People were glued to the news. Yeah. Both, like, during the missing portion of the case and the trial. Because any bit of information we all needed to know, we felt like. Right? Yeah. And that's how I feel about Mount Everest. <laughs> but no, specifically that's... Sandy Everett. Because even, or even if we just found the camera, like... It would just change the history of mountaineering forever, right? Like, everything would have to be reevaluated one way or another. I'm already convinced that they made it to the, to the top. I mean, I'd like to think so. Well, based up, my, 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 my thing is based upon the fact that the photograph of his wife wasn't with him. That's true. And the only reason he would take off his gloves in order to take a photo out like the out only reason jacket, he would do that yeah. is to, is if he were on the summit like he promised her so anyway sorry, sorry. <laughs> this completely is different episode this has been a teaser for a past episode please go back and listen to it if you are like me and you find himalayan disasters interesting and tell me please tell me write in dm us send us an email this podcast doesn't exist at gmail.com what are your news alert Worthy topics, and they don't have to be un uh, unsolved or oh no, they could like be that. like your college or your high school math yeah. teacher. I don't know, like 
I remember putting on Google alerts for the publishing house I used to work for, mm. for like topics that that we were publishing at the time because it was a university publishing so it was all very much like scholarship and I thought it was so funny because it would be like something very niche and I was like this is never gonna pop up and then the next day it was like four things and I was like oh I just apparently I don't read the news (laughs) the more you know the more you know but I can't even think of what mine would be right like I I don't I feel like we just need to go through all of our podcast episodes. Yeah. Like, I feel like yours are, like, the Sodder family. Yeah. Or, Maura like... Maura Murray. <laughs> any... Oh, golly. If I could find out what happened to Maura. See? See? Uh, Everyone go and make some Google News alerts. Maybe I do. All right. We gotta, we gotta go. go. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out with us. Follow us. Rate, review, subscribe. You know the drill. Let your friends, family, and foes know about us if you really, if you really like us, if you hate us, anything. Like, just send it along for, for kicks and giggles. And until next time, remember, this podcast doesn't exist. Getting so good at that tea. We're so good. Getting so good.